Chapter Four of Quiet Hints to Growing Preachers in My Study. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. Quiet Hints to Growing Preachers in My Study by Charles Edward Jefferson. Chapter Four. Which Door? It is well for a man not to be too heavily weighted with theories at the beginning of his career. Otherwise, he may become so entangled as to be crippled for life. Man proposes, but God disposes and the manner of his disposition is often marvellous in our eyes. Precious time may be squandered in a fruitless endeavour to bring the Almighty into conformity to human expectations. It is natural for a minister to have his preferences, but he should not insist on these when it becomes evident that heaven prefers something else. He should not draw a circle round a limited area of land and say, Up to the circumference of that circle shall my activity be felt, but no further. A man who says that needs to reread his New Testament. The men who crowded into favored localities already overstocked with ministers, and stand all the years idle, bitterly complaining because no church has hired them, eking out a precarious livelihood by snapping up occasional opportunities to preach in pulpits temporarily vacant, are not men to be trusted with the guidance and training of Christians. Ministers of the gospel should be made of more heroic stuff. Old men, out of whom the years have taken the lunge and the fire, may be forgiven for such conduct. But for a young man to hover round a particular city like a moth round a candle, forgetful that he is ordained to be a light in a place that is dark, is an exhibition of selfishness which ought to doom him in the estimation of the Christian public. A man ought to preach not where he wants to preach, but where he can preach. Nor is it wise to say, I will begin with a small church and none other, or, I will start in the country and later on come to the city. The theory held by many that every minister should begin in a small church in the country is the creation of the closet and not to be universally accepted. Let a minister begin where he can. Some men are more mature at twenty than others at forty. Why insist on a narrow field if the lord of the vineyard points out a wide one? And why insist on staying in the country if circumstances mould themselves into a trumpet, through which a voice is heard saying, Arise, go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do? Ministers, as well as laymen, ought to surrender themselves to the guidance of the Spirit, and in the fire of the Spirit all opinions and theories will be as chaff. A young man ought to go through the widest door which swings on its hinges before his face. But to sit down before a narrow open door, refusing to enter it because of a hope that a wider door will some day be opened, is the act of a man whose life is guided not by the Holy Spirit, but by his own unholy ambitions. But suppose a field is hard, shall a young man take it? Why not? All fields, when known at first hand, are hard. The easy fields of which we sometimes read exist only in the imagination. Each heart knows its own bitterness, and each parish has its own snags. The minister whose life seems to be one grand, sweet song is found to be a heavenly-laden, burden-bearer when one comes close enough to hear his heartbeats. There is not that difference in parishes which the unthinking observer imagines. Conspicuous advantages have their manifold subtractions, and striking losses have their surprising compensations. No one man can have everything, even in the ministry. If a man is deprived of privileges in the country, so does a man pay dearly for living in the city. 
if a small church has its difficulties and distresses, a large church is not free from complications and perplexing problems. If a man is afraid of fields which are hard, never let him think of becoming a minister. A field reputedly hard ought to have peculiar fascination for a man who has grit. If a dozen men have failed in it, the charm ought to be all the greater. Woe to the minister who is looking for an easy job. There is more hope for a fool than for him. And as for the church being small, that is nothing against it. It is the glory of a small church that it can grow. To see a church grow is one of the deepest joys a minister can know. What greater privilege could a young man ask than that of taking a little church, and by the process of nurture carried through patient years, causing that church through the blessing of God to develop, until it becomes the crown of the community, the center of wide regions whose people look to it for impulse and guidance? What a glowing, gladdening task, compared with that of a man who takes a large church, whose limit of growth has already been reached, and for which the years contain no brighter prospect than that of successfully resisting the process of disintegration and decay. It is not becoming in young men fresh from school to be over-particular about either geography or finance. A man cannot tell how much he is worth in the pulpit by computing the amount of money he has expended on his education. Nor ought he, with a flourish, dictate to churches the lowest terms at which his services can be secured. A man with a wife and ten children may be excused for making sundry inquiries concerning the salary, but a young man, unencumbered, should seek first of all a chance to work, and finding this, all necessary things will be added unto him. The men who put salary first and church second are usually the men whose salary never increases. A man who will not preach at all, unless some church puts into his palm the precise sum which he thinks his preaching worth, ought to be left to die with all his sermons in him. Young men with the ribbon on their diploma still unfaded, ought not to go into the market shouting, so many sermons for so many dollars. The supreme question is, where can I work? Where will the followers of Christ give me a chance to work? Where can I make my life count, for the most in the extension of the kingdom? The man who goes into the world with these queries burning in his heart will not long be without a congregation, nor will he lack shelter and raiment and food. If, however, the time of waiting is longer than he anticipated, let him not be despairful. If one door after another is slammed in his face, let him keep on knocking. If one field after another fades from his eyes, let him keep on seeking. If these disappointments move him, he was never foreordained for the ministry. Men who are worthy of the Christian pulpit will get into it, though they climb to it over obstacles high as the Alps and over the Himalayas of disappointment. It may be necessary for a time to earn one's bread by secular employment, but if the man has been chosen by the Lord, he will sometime, somehow, somewhere, overcome the last opposing circumstance and enter into the joy of ministerial service. A Scotchman who knocked in vain while a young man, at the door of twenty-three churches, and filled ten years with patient waiting, became at last one of the most distinguished and influential preachers of his generation. End of chapter 4